All right, so that's Kind Hearts and Coronets. So the film that you chose for me, Clarko, Katy Perry, Part of Me, 2012 documentary. Uh, you want to give us a little intro as to what, what's, what this film is all about? Sure. Um, so uh, this is a tour documentary, um, first and foremost. It's about her tour of her third album, which was Teenage Dream. It's uh, It had all the hits. It had all the hits. Um, so this was also her biggest album ever. I mean, admittedly, she's only had like, what, four albums. Um, but this one like broke a lot of records in terms of hit singles. I mean, it's one of those albums that like, there are like three filler tracks on it and that's about it. And then they released an extended version of the album that came out with another two hits. So it's like, wow, it was clearly a lot of work. Um, and I think something a little unique about this is that the documentary is also produced by her producers, um, her like album producers. Oh, the record producers. I didn't know. Yeah. So Max Martin and Dr. Luke are like the masterminds behind so many of the top um, pop albums of the last two decades. Like every pop album that you have ever heard of, like Britney Spears and NSYNC and like all of these people, they have been producing. So anyway, tour documentary, a lot of candid shots, a lot of confession cam stuff. They talk to her whole family. They talk to all of her staff. They talk to her makeup artist, her her costumer. Um, They talk to her various managers. Um, So it's kind of this... You know, I think there's been another tour documentary since then for the the, the tour from last year for uh, Prismatic, her most recent album. But this out al- this tour documentary is okay. Yes, tour documentary for that particular album, but also like an intro to her career to date. Like they they go back to her childhood basically when she was a gospel singer, and also this is the tour during which her marriage to Russell Brand dissolved. So it's kind of part intro to who the hell she is and why she is the success she is today, part tour documentary, so there's plenty of concert footage, and part, like, drama story. So there's, like, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of threads um, compared to your average music film. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of that stuff is stuff that I want, would love to talk about as we get into this one. Before we get into this one, though, can you tell us a little bit about why this was your choice for me to watch? Um, because you're a very highbrow guy. Um, <laughs> yes. You have... You have uh, very particular tastes in in music and in film and in comic books, and um, I'm not that guy. I have I uh, really like to like revel in pop culture. I I like to revel in a lot of BS, but um, you know I've been a grunge kid. I've been a punk kid. I like pop specifically because it's engineered to appeal to the most people it can, which I think is a very interesting like psychological experiment. Yeah. So. Um, I wanted you to watch this because it's not a great film. <laughs> it can't be a great film. I think it's very masterfully put together. Yeah. Because obviously, like, the shooting constraints on it are really tight. Yeah. Um, so it's not, like, it's not like a film film, but it is so well put together. It's so well produced, given what they had to work with. And it's also... Um, I know that you're not a fan of Katy Perry, so... <laughs> Um, well, I'm not, I, I'm not anti Katy Perry. Yeah. So I, I thought it was funny because like, you know, part of this challenge for Cinema Gadfly, the podcast is you're getting me to watch a classic film, something I would never watch on my own volition. Right. I'm doing you the same favor. Oh, that's a good point. That's actually a really, really good point. So with that in mind, I will say initially about this film that it, it was surprisingly competent. That was my, that's my kind of overarching sort of feeling about it. I was, as, a, as a filmmaker thing. As a, yeah, as a film. It was surprisingly competent. I thought it was very well done. I, I can't say that I, I can't say that I loved it, but I liked it. And it was entertaining and it had a, more of a narrative than I expected. 
uh, as you said, there's that, that drama aspect of it. And of course it had all the, the flashiness of, uh, you know, I think one of my thoughts while watching this was, wow, I'm not going to see shit like this at a Bill and Sebastian concert. <laughs> right. But, but uh, you know, she's a, she's an engaging live performer and, and not someone I would have ever gone to see in concert. So this isn't something I'm, I, I had already been exposed to, but yeah, just surprisingly competent. I, it, it, it's not up there with Stop Making Sense, which is probably like the greatest, you know, greatest tour documentary ever made, right? Of the of, of Talking Heads by mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Demme. But anyway, it's not it's not that movie. But it's it's surprisingly way better than I expected it to be and way better than it really had any right to be, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and only a few months maybe after this came out, um, Beyonce released a documentary. Oh, interesting. Which was awful and <laughs> and self-serving in the worst way. It was like, like it, it's obvious that a lot of, uh, this Katy Perry documentary is a, a PR job. Right. Like that's, I mean, that, yeah. that's what it's for in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. yeah. But it is not transparently. So no, you don't come away from it feeling icky. No, and that's, no, that's what that's I came true. away from watching the Beyonce documentary. You felt icky. Well, so much of it is just a shot of her sitting on a couch talking directly to an oh, interviewer yeah. mm-hmm. that it's just like, Oh, you're trying to paint a picture for us about your life and you're trying very hard to paint it. And some of this footage is nice. Like there's right. a lot, I don't know why we're talking about Beyonce documentary right now. <laughs> there was so much footage of her early life. There was yeah. so much Destiny's Child footage, but there was there was so much room for drama in the Beyonce one because um, her dad was her manager for a long time, and there yeah. was drama there when they split, and they yeah. just they, lost they right lost over it. Oh, because it's not intended to be. That's not the agenda that that film. Had. So right. yeah, that's a, that's an, that's a really interesting point. And I thought one of the things that I liked about this film as a film, uh, before we get into any of our specific points, was that it wasn't a lot of you know, face to the camera interviewing Katy Perry, mm-hmm. you know, she, most of her bits of, of thought are kind of, you know, extemporaneously composed, right? They just, you know, to what extent that's actually true, of course, we don't know, but it's just kind of off the cuff as she's being filmed as things are kind of happening. Yeah. There's she's saying a lot of stuff while she's talking to other people rather right. than when she's talking to the camera. Rather than when she's talking And there are, there are a few moments where she is talking to the camera, you know, to an interviewer right. that obviously feel a bit staged and they're a little annoying. And it's like, it's oh, actually, yeah. it's very nice that they kept those to an absolute minimum. Yeah. And one of the ones, um, I mean, we've already covered this, like the drama through line is that her relationship with Russell Brand is, is collapsing throughout the entire film. Yes. And it ends with them getting divorced. Yes. Um, there's that one scene there where uh, it is an interview directly with her and she's talking about the experience and the, interviewer says to her and this is the first time we even hear an interviewer like give a prompt and he says but you still miss him right and she's like yes and she bursts into tears and it's like they clearly only included that because like her bursting into tears in front of the camera was probably not something she ever intended to do during a film sure sure but um but it was interesting and powerful so they put it in there where they seem to have cut out most of the other camera talk yeah okay so i think that's a good summary of the film and actually a little bit more but we should get into into some of our specific uh points about the film yeah uh, some of it was what we we're just talking about that it's like it's clearly a PR move okay because duh but like it's it's a PR move that I think is interesting and it's part of what made me a Katy Perry fan which is crazy oh, interesting. like I don't remember the circumstances under which I watched this in the first place okay. I, don't, I don't know how I came to watch this film <laughs> yeah. but by the time I'd watched it a second or third time and I was like oh clearly I'm enjoying this a lot yeah I mean, you watched um, this a second or third time and I think many times since then if I'm not mistaken yeah it is a PR point that she's not manufactured, which like <laughs> yeah. they do. They expend a lot of film on this, yeah. where it's like, okay, look, she's been singing her whole life. Yeah, like all great performers, she did it from a very young age with the support of her family. Good for her that her family is some kind of Christian sect that is extremely uh, gospely. 
you know, both her parents are preachers. Um, there is a, there is a big stage presence in her family because they are stage preachers. Uh, there's people that go into huge warehouses with with boom mics and like yeah, they're and, like televangelists kind of yeah. And so, like, when she wants to pick up a guitar and sing gospel, they're very supportive of that. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, gets children into a hobby is that your parents are cool with it. Totally. This is actually one of the points that I had as well. Like, her her family in general, like, her dad, he's got that giant Jesus piece. Mm-hmm. Like, her dad's like a Christian rock star. Yeah. Her dad's oh, got, yeah. like, the, the... He's, like, the, wearing leather pants or something. Yeah, he looks like... He seriously looks like he just came out of, like, the, the Christian music video version of, like, White Snake or something. He's got, like, the, the, the black <laughs> leather pants. He's got those black glasses. He's got the giant cross like mm-hmm. giant like you know kanye level bling here. yeah and he's straight up like shaved head like he, yeah he razors that you know, and they both look really young mm-hmm. and very like th- let me put it this way the Katy perry aesthetic makes a lot more sense after you understand her her parents yeah. yeah um so it's like the pr move of her being um not manufactured because this was her own hobby for a long time she struggled through it for a long time she was unsuccessful for a long time she right. had a lot of trouble with various record labels um, before she hit it big. And she hit it big in like 2008. So, well, like, I Kissed a Girl came off of her second album. Her first album was a gospel album. Second album, uh, One of the Boys, had like one hit on it. I think I Kissed a Girl was like the only hit on that album. Huge hit, though. It's a pretty decent album. There are a few low points in it, but, um, but that was the big deal for her. That was how she got introduced. And then, you know, a couple of years later, released Teenage Dream, and it's all hits. And it's like the PR thing of like, She's not like, and I, I have I have trouble doing this when I talk about pop stars that are like quote unquote manufactured because it's clearly even being manufactured is a lot of work. Right. But like when you look at someone like Britney, and I I don't like to rag on Britney, but like Britney was a mouseketeer. She was bred for this basically. It's like who knows whether she even likes any of it. I have no idea if Britney has ever written any of her songs or if they're all written for right. her. Katy Perry writes all her own songs. Right, and, and that can really sing. As far as as far as like. How do you make a pop star more likable? The idea that they write all their own songs, can play an instrument, and you know, and are also in control of their own um, career trajectory is like is very nice to see. Because in the whole like idealism of musicianship, like being completely manufactured, where you don't write your own songs, you don't decide which tracks go on the album, and that you are just a face to a brand. Like behind the scenes, there are a hundred people who are making you a star. You're just the face and the voice, and the voice probably isn't even that good. And you shouldn't perform live because people will find out that you can't sing. Yeah, the Lana Del Rey problem. Yeah, and so the idea through this PR piece that Katie is in charge of her career, she writes all her music, and she is a real musician, but also happens to be very poppy. Right. They did good service on that. Totally. So uh, tying tying sort of into that, uh, the, one of the things that I wanted to talk about about the film was the story that's told by the A and R person that first brought her to to success. Who who? Oh, the Angela, the the woman who stole the, yeah, so the she, files. Yes. Yeah, so the fact that she, I did, I had no idea. The fact that she caused corporate espionage mm-hmm. on her rise to glory. So in the in the film, <laughs> they talk about this that she was originally signed to Columbia, and they they weren't sure what to do with her. And they weren't sure where she fit. And the A&R lady who was at Columbia was so in, I think it was Columbia, was so in love with her music mm-hmm. that she she quit the company and illegally copied all of the files and like stole them and like hid them and got out of the building and took them to the new company that she was going to, Capitol Records. Capital. In order to bring her to Capital. Like that is my, Katy Perry caused corporate espionage. Like that's. <laughs> 
that's crazy. Yeah. It was also interesting to me uh, on that same note that all the record people who were almost all the record people who are profiled in this documentary, their titles say former. Oh, it's like former <laughs> Columbia record executive, da, 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 former capital. A&R. It's like, right. wow, none of the, that's a that's a cold hearted business. None of these people have their jobs anymore. Well, is it also that they just move around and but it's possible. like if you showed their current titles, it would not be relevant to the story. That's entirely possible. And hopefully that's true because they all seem like lovely people. But it was just like, wow, like that you don't think about, you know, Katy Perry was involved in corporate espionage. Like that's <laughs> a fact. That's amazing to me. So that that was definitely something I did not know going into this documentary that I'm very glad that I learned. Um, I was, and really like everything I want to talk about in this film, rallies around this one point that like is a point that is very important to me professionally and socially and that like that success takes work. That like it's so easy to look at somebody who's very successful and just being like, if only that were me. And it's like, in fact, you didn't put in the hours. So it's not you because you didn't try as hard as they did. And like Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods has been playing golf since he was a baby. That's why he's the best golfer in the world. He wasn't magically a great golfer. He played golf every day for his entire life. Well, it's a, I think it's a combination of, of, of talent and drive. But I think that the difference between the million, probably literally million people in LA who want to achieve stardom and the, and the 1% or less that do mm-hmm. is certainly a lot of luck. But it's also not giving up, being willing to do crazy you know, amounts of work and, and just the dedication and the, and the hard work, like you just don't want it enough. Like a lot of professional athletes, you, you are not willing to spend 100% of your time playing golf. You're not willing to to wake up every morning at 5am. You're not willing to put in the sacrifices that you would need to do to do that. And therefore you will never be at that point. And that's not necessarily, by the way, a bad thing because there's probably something broken about people who are willing to put in those sacrifices. Yeah. In some so, ways. so I'm not entirely sure that it's talent and drive. I think it's more like passion, opportunity, because Tiger Woods would not be playing golf every day if his parents hadn't afforded him that luxury. <laughs> totally. Um, Katy Perry would not have been playing music every day if her parents hadn't given her a guitar when she was a kid. Totally. Like these are, these are things that like, these are opportunities that are afforded kids. I'm a professional designer because I had a computer when I was a kid. Take that out of the equation. I'd have a different job. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and and obviously, a good slice of luck. Yeah. But I mean, you know, no, nobody wants to talk about luck when it comes to success. But there's obviously like a good chunk of like right time, right place for everybody who's successful. But that's you know that's not really what what I want to talk about. It's like it's the amount of work that clearly went in and that continues to go in that is obvious throughout this. That like the all the struggles that she pushed through, and now when it's now when it's quite easy because she's a star, the amount of work she's still doing to Insane. upper game. Absolutely insane. And the, 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 I remember thinking while watching this movie, it was like, a, I don't know, 140, 250 straight days. I mean, something absolutely insane how long this tour is. And the amount of working out she has to do, the amount of, of practice she has to do, the amount of days off she has is virtually nothing. And she's flying around the world to try to visit Russell Brand, which I'm sure we'll talk to you about in a bit. <laughs> but just like the, the workload on Katy Perry in this movie is, is, is I mean, it, again, as you say, some of this is probably PR, but it's really crazy. Yeah, it's obscene. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that, like, throughout this, when she's she's touring, like, back-to-back, and th- this is something that still blows my mind that I didn't really realize until I moved to the United States, that touring, there's always a town an hour away from where you are. You can play, you could play multiple shows a night if you're nimble enough. Like, there is, touring is something you can do seven days a week for years. And she and she basically is. I mean, the, the amount of days off she gets seems so small. 
Yeah, and it, and it is obviously heartbreaking that she has to fly from, like, if her tour is in Europe, she's flying to wherever Russell is to go and hang out with her deadbeat husband. Yeah, let's talk about this. So I, I really want to get into this this topic in general, which is that the, the film does its level best to try to present her marriage with Russell Brand as as potentially positive story that ends mm-hmm. in an unfortunate negative way and I, the whole time i'm just like it's russell fucking brand like there is <laughs> there is no possible way that this marriage was going to succeed it was just it's russell brand like it was, it was never gonna happen like he's such a, a a cheating dick right like he's just not like it, it, it reminds me of like when i a million years ago listening to like emo bands like like dashboard confessional mm-hmm. and just thinking to myself all these, these these women I know want to date this guy. Every single song on this guy's album is an example to you of why you should not date this guy, right? Like he's he's giving you all of the positive reasons not to date him mm-hmm. right here. He's just telling you I am a bad boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. It's Russell Brand, like you know. And and I just I I you know I was watching. She was talking about the first time they the first date they went on. She's like, and she's just starry eyed, and she's like, and we and we talked for like two and a half hours, and I'm like. Two and a half that's hours a not, normal date. Yeah, that's not a long amount of time. Like, I was just on a plane trip where I talked to the random guy next to me for five hours. And not, maybe I'm an outlier on this. I'm, yeah. I'm, or that time you and I stood in the line at Apple Store for, for eight, eight hours. hours and did just not run talking, out of things. Yeah, did not run out of things to say. Yeah. So now, am I dating? Are we, are we married now, Clarko? I think we are. Oh, man. I, you know, I, I feel terrible for her. And especially I felt terrible because she, the, the, I guess the day that they got... The day that he let her know they were done or something, she had a show that night, right? With yeah. in Brazil, I think. Yeah. And I'm just like, she is. This woman is literally. This is not. There's certainly an, a certain amount of staging to this movie. This was not one of those parts, and she is devastated, right? And she is just bawling her eyes out, and mm-hmm. she is inconsolable, and she still has to go fucking do her job. Yeah. And this isn't like, but that's oh, that's the thing about day. the hard work. She doesn't have to. I have been. I have been a ticket holder at concerts that were canceled at the last minute. Oh yeah. But when they do it anyway, and like here like you know devastation devastation yeah. i mean other ones like when like the drummer from blink 182 like breaks his leg or something and it's just like whatever i went to a nofx concert where like uh fat mike had just been like stung by a box jellyfish or some shit so it's just like i'm just gonna sit down this whole concert if you guys are cool with that well and you know honestly yes the fans are cool with that that that's a story you're still telling on a podcast to this day right yeah by the way to your point about hard work katie puts in an insane amount of work mm. on her marriage like I mean, as you as we've alluded to, she's she gets very little time off, and when she does, she she just flies to wherever Russell might be, even when her managers are like, "This is insane." Yeah, like, you need flying, to sleep. You're flying for thirty six hours to spend five hours with Russell, you know, or whatever. And she's yeah. just like, "Well, listen, this is my marriage," and I'm just, and again, I'm like, "Oh, honey," but it is <laughs> it is impressive. Yeah, you know for sure. And and just in general, I I completely agree with you. The the work ethic, absolutely, absolutely insane. Yeah, I also th- thought this movie did a a really good job of presenting her personality in a likable way mm-hmm. she comes off a little bit like a crazy person yeah uh, there, there is an early scene where she meets a woman who's pregnant and essentially acts like she has never met a pregnant person before or even really heard about it and is like oh that's so crazy you're oh my and i'm like she's pregnant it's it's not that crazy. <laughs> You've never met a pregnant person before. That's, yeah. that's what I'm learning. Here. The the meet and greets are are funny. They're all and the fact that she does the meet and greets even when she's like tired and and you know that's yeah. that just is the work ethic thing. See so yeah, it. Uh, some of this some of this uh, we've been talking about not just the work ethic but like the attention, right? The the fan service, the the meet and greets, the getting kids up on stage to dance with her, which is great. Yeah, yeah. All of this stuff. Um, 
that that attention to detail and that kind of putting all your effort into making sure that the customer walks away with a big smile on their face and all they want to do is make sure that everyone has a great time. It's like, that's why I go to Disneyland. Like, oh, interesting. So she's, she's, she's like Disneyland for you. Yeah. Huh. Like where the entire purpose of this, the entire purpose of this operation is to put a smile on people's face and she'll work her ass off to do it and hopefully she makes some money out of it. It's an expensive ticket, right? Yeah. Um, but man, it's just like she just wants everyone to have a magical time. And yeah, like, there are. I mean, the number of costume changes alone, and some of those costumes are very elaborate. Yeah, like you know, she's got a, she's got a, a, a full size, like a person sized version of her cat on stage. She's mm-hmm. got her sister in headgear. Not very nice thing to do to her <laughs> sister, by the way. Uh, she's got she's got like spinning things on various parts of her dress. And oh yeah, the the pinwheel like the pinwheel candy booms, things. Yeah, and she's got like. A gun that she, I mean, Guar style shooting people in the audience. It, yeah. it's, it is definitely a dynamic show. Yeah. For sure. Um, and just that, yeah, that like, that magicalness, especially the costuming. The costuming is outrageous and the sets are outrageous. And the sheer amount of effort that just makes, that goes into making it a fun time. And like, there's that very early quote. It's like during the opening montage where she's just like, how could you be ever too cartoony? And it's like, she just wants it to be fun. She's just trying to turn the fun up to 11, which is like, which is what I take away from Disney and what I take away from Pixar and like these, these places. I mean, these are companies. Um, and she is, she's obviously a company, but she's also an individual who's making a lot of these calls. And that's something that they stress a great deal. And that's obviously part of the PR angle, but um, that she is an individual making calls about the quality of her show. Yeah, she seems to have a a very strong opinion about things. She seems to be very involved in all of the uh, design. They make a huge point of, of pointing out that she's kind of directing her own brand. And yeah, I think I could sum up her style as she really likes Candyland a lot. Yeah, but but I think that that's a that's a style, and she embodies that style. And and that was a style for that album. Oh, interesting. So it, not... it has changed since. Oh, cool. So it's I'm, I'm not quite the Katy Perry aficionado that you are, as we've mentioned. So I did not know that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um. And so that's that kind of like that exacting, high intensity, high focus, um, direction of the customer experience. That like attention that, to detail. Yeah. That makes me think Walt. It makes me think Steve Jobs. It makes me think John Lasseter. Wow. It makes me like that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, this is great. This is a person who is trying really hard. To make sure that the the customer at the end of the chain is delighted. So for you, it sounds like, and maybe this is a good place to, to start to wrap up. It seems like Katy Perry is a design inspiration, or yeah, a, or a, professional, a professional, inspiration. professional inspiration in the same way that those other that, that those other people are. Yeah, I mean, the same way that I like to go to Disneyland for like to be recharged on what it means to like focus on delighting customers. Wow, like I. That's what I take away from Disneyland. I'm just blown away by the effort. And also it's fun. Like I like rides. And rides I like, are great. And I like candy. I like candy. churros. Most people like all of those things. Yeah. Um, but it's inspirational to me. It's like, a, it's like a nice little design recharge for someone whose job is like, you know, partially my job is that. But also it's managing the logistics. Mm. Like executing on design is the hardest part of design. Ideas aren't hard. But like making getting it to getting it to the customer is the hard part. Like horse trading with engineering, horse trading with business interests, all these things. Making sure that people are excited about taking the wraps off of the box, making sure that people are are happy with the most mundane parts of it, like setting up a product, like making sure that that's bearable. Um, 
and if not bearable, then delightful. Wow. Well, I, I have to say, I, it did not occur to me that, that the Katy Perry part of me documentary was really a design, a work of design inspiration. So that is definitely <laughs> a new perspective for me. Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we, before we close this up? Uh, no, I think that's a perfect place to end off. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Clarko, for, for being the, the, the guinea pig for this process. Definitely a lot of learning was done here today by me and uh, hopefully you as well. Oh, and yeah. I, hopefully you'll come back sometime when, when we've got this working like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. This it was is so pleasure. much fun. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, do you want to tell people how they can find you on the various interwebs and stuff? Sure. Um, if you go to the Twitters and my name is Clarko. Um, C-L-A-R-K-O. I love that you put a question mark on the end of it. <laughs> like, like you've never seen my name written down before. There's no, there's no question mark on his actual Twitter handle, although really there should be. That's, That's where it. I reside. That's the most predictable place to find me. Yes. So everybody follow Clarko. He's... He's like a mixture of weird Twitter and design inspiration on on, on the tweets. And uh, you can also find me uh, at CinemaGadfly or CinemaGadfly.com or at Daniel Tiger for my more tech-related, work-related kind of professional Twitter thing. Uh, and we'll come back next time for whatever the heck we do next. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Have a great day. You know, man, anything I have to say about Katy Perry has already been said. That being said, I haven't seen this movie at all.